Welcome back to the Sound of Southern Charm podcast. I'm Stephen George, your host. This season, I'm getting an outside perspective of what people have learned through different jobs they've had through the years. You've heard my story. Now it's time to hear someone else's point of view. Today's guest is a man I met more than a decade ago while working as a producer at a local television news station. Randy Wooden works for Goodwill Industries of Northwest North Carolina and is the director of the Professional Center. He's here now to share more about what the Professional Center is and how it can benefit you or someone you know. Randy, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me on. All right, so we're just going to kind of jump right in. So, Randy, Mm -hmm. tell me exactly what you do for the Goodwill Professional Center. Well, Goodwill, wow, what we do at the Professional Center is is not all that much different, really, from what other Goodwill programs do to help job hunters. We help with their resume to have it hopefully reflect uh, them as, as well as it can. We try to provide job leads. We try to help coach them as far as interview technique, networking technique, and one of the, I guess, value adds, or maybe where I differ slightly and our program differs a little bit, is the prevalence of, of LinkedIn. And I do a lot of LinkedIn training. We also hold mock interview events as well as panel discussions. And so we're geared toward helping professionals. Not that we and Goodwill doesn't help other people. It's just that the demographic of professionals is one that our Goodwill identified as a segment that's really underserved. Uh, When you think about it, if you're a professional and you try to check in with, let's say, the state unemployment office, so to speak, or with other nonprofits, typically you just don't feel like they're able to be as much help as you'd like. And so we cater toward folks typically who have a degree or maybe have been in a leadership or a salaried kind of position, uh, maybe owned a small business, that kind of a thing, and, and help them along with their job search to hopefully shorten that time of the search. How long has Goodwill sort of offered this service? Like, how long have you been in this role? They hired me to start this back in the summer of 2012. Oh, wow. So it's been, you know, a fair amount of time now. And we are the first, to our knowledge, and still the only professional center, fully Goodwill-funded professional center in the nation. Now, and it may be useful for your listeners to to know that Goodwill, it, there are over 160, I believe, separate and distinct Goodwill districts or regions around the country. Okay. Ours is simply one of them, Goodwill Industries of Northwest North Carolina. Now, each of those separate regions, it, they're autonomous. They have their own budgets, their own programs. And this is really set up so that they can serve the local population as best they can versus being restricted or confined to providing, if you will, solutions from one coast to the other, that one size really doesn't fit all when you start to look at the local populations that you serve. And so we have programs dealing with veterans, folks with disabilities, and just a whole host of various programs uh, to include even adult high schools to help people not only do a better job of the job hunt, but also if they need skills training, maybe they, they would like to better themselves and, and develop more of a career. And so whether it's being a welder, a truck driver, a, a CNA, somebody working in, in customer service or somewhere else, people can enroll in classes. They're typically free or certainly deeply discounted, especially if they're not working. 
and can come out with a certificate that says, yeah, I can do this work. And I'll tell you what, companies gobble up people like that who not only just say I can do the work, but have gone through a specific training program or series of classes and come out with a diploma or a certificate that says, yeah, I can do it. And it's been a game changer for so many lives. And again, Goodwill just does so much for so many folks. I'm sure it's been a game changer. Now, you mentioned that they sort of brought you in yeah. uh, at the very beginning of this program. So you got to kind of treat it like an entrepreneur starting a business. <laughs> uh, what were you kind of doing before that they said, hey, we want to bring you in to do this? Oh, long story. Uh, it was a dark and stormy night. But no, <laughs> long story. Back in the Actually, I was in the, I'm going to say early 90s or thereabout. I'd worked in radio up until that time and decided to make a career change. Again, it's a longer story and we can get into a little more detail, but the short of it was that I hired a company to help me reinvent myself back in the 90s and loved what they talked about. I hadn't really considered it and I thought this is valuable information. And so I always kept that in the back of my mind that said, this is the kind of work that I think I'd like to do at some point. And back in the early 2000s, after we'd moved down here from Ohio, then I opened my own business doing the very same sort of work I do for Goodwill. And that lasted for a little over 10 years or so. Okay. Uh, until Goodwill sort of came knocking at the door and said, hey, you know, we're ready now. We see the need in the marketplace to, to try to grow this program. Would you like to be involved? And for me, it was an easy transition in that I still got to leverage my media contacts and all the, the what I call the fun marketing kind of stuff that I've been doing. Sure. I already had the product knowledge. I knew what needed to be done. And just as important, Goodwill gave me the latitude to make decisions and the tools, the money, the budget to have a staff to have the tools necessary to get this thing off the ground. And they've stayed with it. And again, we've been at this thing now for years and we're doing great. It's a, it's a very fulfilling job, I got to tell you, Stephen. It really is. And I definitely want to touch on that fulfilling part because you have been doing this for so long. But I want to jump back. You said that you hired a firm to kind of help you make this transition. Do you remember sort of any advice that they gave you that sort of stuck out on how you should move forward? Yeah, and, and understand, this was before the internet, before the use of email, before, we were talking the early 90s, so this was the prehistoric, <laughs> I used a dot matrix printer. Oh, I remember to, those, tear yeah, off the, the sides. You bet. I'll tell you, the biggest thing I learned from all of this, really one of, one of a couple things, one is that networking is, is huge, that leveraging your existing relationships developing new ones, conducting informational interviewing to try to look before you leap so that you're not simply just answering ads willy-nilly. I think that was huge, was gathering the information, developing relationships. And on a side note, knowing not to just essentially tap somebody on the shoulder and say, hey, Stephen, do you know of any job openings? Okay. Those were the main things. Was The, the main thing dealt with relationships and gathering information to look before you leap. And I've got stories about people who have done that and have succeeded. And unfortunately, on the other side, some that maybe should have looked a little <laughs> more closely before sure. they left, sure. only to find that they, they kind of jumped from the frying pan into the fire. I can only imagine, you know, people uh, not looking before they leap sort of situations. Let's say if somebody's on LinkedIn yeah. and, they're, and they're sort of job hunting, 
and they're looking at a particular company, but they don't know anybody that works there. How do they sort of strike out if they look for the employees or people who work there? How do they strike out and send that message to find out more about what the company is like? Or do you suggest another alternative instead of kind of reaching out blindly to somebody? Yeah, it's tough when you reach out blindly because why should I trust you? If you're going to contact me out of the blue and start asking questions about the corporate culture and all, and I don't know who you are. And frankly, I don't care. And it's none of your business. So I think I would probably not find that to be very fruitful. What you may want to do, and it's it's an option, is to go onto LinkedIn. There's a filter you can use when you search for people at, let's say, Company X or Company ABC or whatever. Sure. You can look not just to see who the current employees are, people who currently work for ABC Company. You can also conduct a filtered search for people who used to work there. Okay. And if you know somebody, first level connection, that's great. And also, even if it's only a second level connection, but if you can leverage your ties with that intermediary or that shared connection, that mutual connection that you, you're a first level with, and maybe maybe you're that first, and I say, Stephen, I see you're connected to John Doe. John used to work at company ABC. I've applied or I'm thinking about applying there. I would like to get kind of a glimpse as to the corporate culture and any advice they might give. I simply don't know anybody who works there, but you know somebody who used to. Could you encourage that person to take my call and and let's chat for a few minutes? Absolutely. That might work. It might not. There are other things you can do too. And and sometimes people fall into the trap and I'll I'll use the word trap. It's not really a crutch, but it's a bit of a trap. And that is we're so focused on this technology and, and using LinkedIn. And LinkedIn is just another means of networking. So what I would also consider doing is is talking to people who I'm comfortable with in business and saying, who could you suggest I talk to that might know somebody there? Because not everybody's on LinkedIn and not everybody on LinkedIn is connected to everybody that they're friends with. I'm a good example. I've got people who I'm sure would take my phone call in a heartbeat, but for whatever reason, they are not on LinkedIn or maybe they and I haven't connected. But if you were to ask me, I'd say, yeah, I know John Doe. I've known him for 20 years. He works at ABC Company. So don't fall into the trap of thinking that, oh, I've got to work through LinkedIn only. Uh, leverage your network. Talk to people who maybe work at the Chamber of Commerce or other people who are in sales. Those folks tend to know a lot of folks in the industry. And that way, you might be able to trip over a good contact that can give you some intel. Man, I can I can speak to that as far as using your network. In, in my particular industry, people get so frustrated about just these sort of blind auditions that kind of pop out um, weekly and daily in some cases, and they're not able to win those. And me personally, been appreciative of the network that I have to kind of build into these companies that I have relationships with, because from an audition standpoint, there's very few and far between that I'll actually win. But if I know somebody at a company and I can kind of talk to them and they help me in the same way, you know, that really sort of builds that relationship from the backside into it instead of me just trying to blindly send something out. So using your network is huge. Well, I totally agree. And if you think about it, if you're buying something that is cheap, 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 let's say I'm going to go buy, a, oh, I don't know, a, a flashlight or I'm going to buy a stapler or what, you know, I, I can go to any store and it may just be a price issue. And, you know, what am I, what's an extra 80 cents or 80 right. cents cheaper? Who cares? But when it starts to matter, meaning purchasing a car or a house 
or trusting someone to do repair work for you. The, the more money involved and the, the greater the value, I suppose, of the product or service, the more weight we ideally, ideally put on personal relationship. And here again, if you need somebody to put a roof on your house, let's say, Stephen, yep. you're not going to open up in the old days, the yellow pages, or in this case, you're not going to do a Google search to find the 50 local roofers. You're not going to interview 50 local roofers and ask for references and interview them and everything. Now, you're going to say, hey, Randy, I saw you had a roof uh, put on a, a few months ago. What was the company you used? Were you happy with them? Okay. And if I say, yeah, you, you'll say, hey, man, give me the phone number. I'll right. call them. That's how we do business. Right. And, and ideally, that's how we hire also. Not always. But I'll tell you what, if, if Stephen and Randy both are qualified to do work, to your point, Stephen, I may have a good voice, you may have a good voice, but because somebody knows, likes, and trusts you, you've done good work for them, and that's somebody that has some influence on this new customer, guess what? You're going to get the advantage. Unless I just blow you out of the water for some reason, if we're close, they're going to go with you because somebody has vouched for you. That's crucial. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, I, I had mentioned before on one of my podcast episodes, the reason that I even got into television news was because I had a professor who worked at the TV station and they were able to put in a good word for me just to even get my foot in the door. And then sure. I could build on that from there. So, yeah, using your network and doing it that way is is the way that I personally like to uh, work because it, it just automatically lends that comfortability with somebody and that credibility in a way. Yeah, it does. And along the way, not only do you make friends, you build value in people's eyes. Don't lose sight of the other side of this. And that is, how can I help you? Oh, how can I help you? Yeah. Too many of us, especially job hunters, they begin to feel as though they are begging and it hurts people's pride. And, and so as a result, oftentimes job hunters, after a while, they say, man, it's networking. It's just, it's just not working for me. I, you know, I just feel bad about it. And now people don't take my call. They don't return my calls. And I just feel like, oh man, this, this is not good. But if you reverse the mindset and look, I've been in a job hunt, you've been in a job hunt. If you live long enough, everybody will be in a job hunt. We're all in this together at some point. It may not be today, but maybe four or five, six months from now, maybe you might need my help. Why don't I offer help to you? How can I help you? In fact, whenever I take on a, a new LinkedIn connection, when they send an invite, when I respond to them, I always say, how can I help you? What can I do to help you? Now, they may say nothing or nothing right now. Sure. But if there is something, isn't that a whole lot more powerful than, oh, gee, I haven't heard from Randy in a while. And guess what? First time I hear from him, he needs help. He's always asking for help. So why don't we preempt that and develop that giver's gain mindset? How can I serve you? How can I help you? And I think that'll help not only help us feel better about ourselves, that we're not begging and groveling and, and all that, but it can actually help other people. Right. I mean, it, so there's no, no, no downside to it. I think it's just developing that mindset that says we don't have to do it the way we always did. Yeah. And, and I think it's important that if someone is able to help you, you don't forget them. Or, or any other connections that you have down the road just because, well, now I've got a new job. Now I don't have to do all this stuff. You bet. I would hope the day never comes where I have to look for another job. I would hope that if that day did come, that the work I've done over the years would help with my transition. At least I'll have some level of access to people and maybe a longer fuse 
on their end, the, the more apt to listen to me and try to be of help versus if I had never done this kind of work in the first place, had never offered to help people, and it simply lived in a cubicle all my life and, and wake up one day to find I'm unemployed. So uh, again, giver's gain, big thing. Keep in mind, networking is huge. Can't stress it enough. I don't care if you're a job hunter or trying to do business development like you are. It's all relationship. And the yes. sooner in life we learn that, I think the better off we'll be long term. That's fantastic. All right. You know, you've been on your own and also uh, in the Professional Development Center at Goodwill. What type of common sense things do you think people need to be reminded of as they try to move forward in their career or into a career change? Common sense can be rare these days. <laughs> it may not be that common. Right. I, I think there's got to be a level of realism involved here. And if the economy is slow or the economy is robust or whatever, in neither case do you know when your journey will end. I sure. always tell people it only takes one. Yeah. Well, you know, one good mutual fit. But from a common sense thing is instead of focusing like some people do on that end goal, and I'll use a marathon, for example, or any kind of long event. It's a long season, that kind of a thing. Okay. Versus saying, let's break that down into bite-sized chunks. And I always remember, I share this story from time to time. When I did hire that company back in the early 90s to help me with a transition, I ended up going to work for them a couple, three years later. Oh, wow. Yeah, I did. Uh, and I loved what they do or, or did, and it had value, and I'm living example of it. But I asked the, the sales manager there, I said, Ken, you make the same commission whether you sell a deal for a couple three hundred or a couple three thousand dollars. Now, by a deal, I mean the agreement to work with somebody, whether it's for, let's say, a three year period or for a, a five hour block of time or whatever. So there were different sure. levels of contracts that were signed by the individuals, and we would then consult with them, whether it's the five hours or whatever. Okay. And his, his response was Randy, I could sit back and wait and put my hopes in those big contracts. He said, but I like to see progress. There's the difference between waiting for a home run or hitting singles. And I make the same commission regardless. I'm still making money, but I can see progress versus selling only a few deals. Now I can sell a whole lot of deals. I can help a lot more people and I can still make the same amount of money. And so I've always thought about that. If you look at a process meaning the job hunt, and you try to break it down into incremental bite-sized chunks. I'll give you an example. The end goal is I wanted to get a job. Sure. So what do I need to do? Well, I need to make sure I have a LinkedIn page. I need to make sure my resume looks good. I need to practice my interviewing, practice my networking. I need to talk to people. I need to get out there as best I can. Right. And that can be a daunting task if you're an introvert or you haven't had the look in a while. So begin to break it down to say, okay, well, I'm going to try to apply for a certain number of jobs this week. I'm going to look to talk to a certain number of people. I want to continue to educate myself, uh, whether it's through online classes or back in the day when you used to be able to, to actually attend in person, so to speak. Those things change over time and how we interact with technology. But I think we want to keep our focus long term but be aware of the individual day-to-day -day successes that we have yeah. and say, you know what? I did what I was supposed to do today. I'm working my process. I can't predict when that's going to pay off with the job I want, 
but I know I'm working my process. And as long as I'm doing that, I can live with it when it doesn't always work because it won't always work. Sure. But if you, if you maintain the mindset that says I'm pushing forward every day, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and try to keep that mental focus. I think that'll help you even though you don't know when it's going to end and that can really wear on you. So look for those individual wins or victories on a daily basis. And I think that'll help keep your mind straight. You made a great point. I think positivity in the whole process is just huge. Yeah. So what kind of, do you have any sort of success stories that you can share about clients who had some sort of aha moment where they figured out this is exactly what I need to do? Gosh, it's hard to come up with with one. There's so there's so many of them, but I got to tell you, one of them. We had a, a client in our professional center. It's about three years ago. It was not my client, okay. But we had to do a presentation for our board of directors, and not just our professional center, but I think a couple of other programs had to go in front of the board and and not a, to get grilled on, oh, what are you doing now? That kind of a thing. But let's let's focus on a success story. Here's what sure. our program does. And oh, by the way, here's a living, breathing example of what is possible. And quite frankly, a lot of our clients, you're not going to get the heart-tugging stories that you might get from other programs or somebody perhaps was living out, out of their car or, or a victim of abuse or some severe, severe hurdles. A lot of people okay. have a lot of barriers. So the professional yeah. center, you don't really see those same barriers. But there was a fellow who worked in healthcare. And I forget the details, but he, he had education and he was vastly underemployed dollar wise. I, and I'm talking about he was probably making in the 20s, 25, 28, 29,000 a year. Okay. And, and, and you look at his education and he should be much higher. So the first thought is, what are we not seeing here? Sure. What's going, what's going on here? Now, my colleague, Susan, actually worked with this individual his resume was terrible. Everything from typos, it's just hard to read. Oh. All he was doing was applying online. It wasn't networking. His resume was essentially a train wreck. He didn't know anybody network-wise. And again, all he did was sit in all day on his computer. So what's that going to get you? I mean, right. they, nobody, A, nobody knows you. And B, whatever they see, meaning the resume, doesn't represent you very well. So Susan worked pretty closely with him to develop a resume that really popped. I mean, it really made him look good. Not, not that it was making things up, but it was just arranged in a way that was very easy to follow, highlighting his accomplishments. We got rid of the typos and just made it pretty, so to speak. Sure. Also, talked to him about networking and getting him on LinkedIn and, and doing the things that we've talked about already today, and that is developing the relationships, talking with people in companies, even if they don't have a job, but letting them know who you are so that when they do have a job, you're somebody who has proactively reached out and now they know you in advance. Anyway, so now let's fast forward to the end of this. He had the education. He just didn't have the interview skills, the resume. All he had was the education. That was about it. Okay. The rest of it was sort of the, you see on TV, the, the makeover shows. <laughs> okay. We, we made him over. Okay. Not physically, but how he communicates the, the whole networking piece, the resume, everything else. Anyway, he ended up getting a job in the 80s. Not, not in the 1980s, in the 80,000s of dollars. Whoa. I jumped from the, the high 20s to the low 80s. Wow. So he, he, you know, it was, it was a good tripling almost of, of his income. And that just got him to where he should have been all along. But this, this guy was just so thrilled. I got to tell you, it's one of those things that 
you see these from time to time and you're like, wow, we had something to do with that because he was lost. He was just lost. And one thing that Goodwill does, and I think one thing in life that is huge, and we talked earlier a little bit about the positivity, and I think it's this, it's hope. Do we have hope for the future? Can we envision ourselves doing something different or better or beyond what we're currently doing? And maybe we, we don't have that vision because we've been told we can't do it. We're stupid. We don't have this. We don't have the, the, the whatever. Maybe, maybe we think it. Maybe nobody's told us, but we've just, we've thought that that's, we are what we are and we'll never move beyond that. And I got to tell you, sometimes the biggest hindrance is between our ears. It's the yeah. talk that says, I can't do it. Why should I try? If I try and I fail, I'll be a failure. And I'm a pretty good example of from years ago, run into a handful of issues all within about a three, two to three, four year period to include health issues, financial issues, marital issues, whatever's let. We had a tornado hit our house. Wow. And, and all this happened within a few years to include having the economy crash in the 08, 09, 2010 timeframe. Yeah. And I felt like a failure. I mean, I just, it seemed like anything I had worked toward, hoped for, planned for whatever had just fallen apart and I I felt terrible about it and I remember talking to a friend of mine he was a former client he's actually deceased now unfortunately but his name was Tom and and I remember having lunch with him one day I said Tom I said this 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 thing's really not good I mean I feel terrible Uh, I just and and he said Randy he listened he said um, and he he had been in uh, a financial advisor so he has seen people do well and other people not do well. And, and I remember one thing he told me, he said, Randy, he said, I heard this from somebody years ago. And he said that failure is not a personality trait. It's an occurrence or vice. Failure is an occurrence or an event. It's not a personality trait. So you aren't a failure. You may have experienced failures. And it, what maybe it was also, it was Ben Franklin or somebody else had said that uh, when it came to failure, he said, I didn't fail. I just found five new ways not to do it. And, yeah. and you start to look at whether it's Zig Ziglar or other ones, and you, you just, you look to gather the no's because you're that much closer to getting a yes when it comes to sales. I do think that we need to keep that in mind that while we may be going through struggles, if we have hope for the future, and maybe that's where goodwill comes in by, like with that healthcare fellow by showing him that, yes, you can improve the process to give you hope to get the job that you thought you would get right away. And once he saw that he could make progress, his whole personality, his persona, his attitude improved and he could now, but see, now he could see himself in that job where before that he had lost hope and lost that vision. So I think goodwill and anybody who can reach out and help people, I think do it. Do it even if you don't get paid for it, because um, seeing that is it, it's just so fulfilling when you can help somebody else. Randy, you just you're you're really I, I'm so thankful that you wanted to do this interview because the why behind what you do really just kind of comes out and yeah. people can hear that you truly just want to help people. And, and you've been on this path for a long time and you've seen a lot of success stories. So I just want to say thank you uh, for that service and the other people at Goodwill Industries I know who are also working hard for their people and as others come in. Yeah, I tell you, we uh, at, at Goodwill, and, and I feel this way sometimes, and I know others do within other companies as well, sometimes we care more about the success of our participants than they do. 
<laughs> and that's unfortunate. But I'll tell you what, if somebody has the want to, they, yeah. they aspire to better themselves, I can teach them the how to. I can teach them how to market themselves better. If they don't have the want to, then there's not a whole lot you really can do to help somebody. They have to want to accept the help. And But here's the, here's the, the thing. It's not just accept the help, but implement it. I mean, I can yeah. read a book on how to change a tire, but if I, if I, if I, or I can watch a YouTube video on how to change a tire or change my TV channels, but if I don't implement it, what good is it? So I think we need to implement the information we have and really utilize the tools out there, whether it's Goodwill or elsewhere, because there are people out there who can and, and will want to help you. Seek them out. Don't have the pride issue hold you back. Uh, we've all been there and we'll all be there again if we live long enough. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, really. All right. So if, if somebody's looking for a, a career change and, and they're looking for ideas on what they can do and how to do it well, what do you recommend do people do on their own time when they're not with you via like an aptitude or an assessment test type thing? What what do you recommend that's out there? There are a lot of different assessments, and, and I'm no assessment guru, so I, I don't really want to get into a lot of detail, but assessments can help you better understand your personality, your strengths, your tendencies, and that's all well and good. And how, a lot of that deals with how you want to interact with other people. But when it comes to the old look before you leap kind of thing, and you ask me what that company I paid, one of the two things or whatever that I had learned, one was yep. informational interviewing. Okay. And essentially what that means is talking to somebody who does the kind of work you think you might like to do. And understanding what's a day in the life look like? What kind of money can I make? What are the educational requirements? What is the industry in terms of where it is today versus growth potential? For example, do I really want to go to work for a company that is making VHS or beta (laughs) VCR or typewriters? Yeah. Um, That kind of a thing. And so we laugh about it. Yeah. But when you think about it, there are people who work in, let's say, the newspaper industry right now. Yeah, and, and you look at print newspapers, for example, or you start to look at some of the technology that has by light years moved forward that if you're out there selling a certain product, I even have clients who, and I don't know the IT jargon well enough to, to share a whole lot of this with you, but they were very well versed in technology that was prevalent 10 years ago or even five years ago. Mm-hmm. But they had failed to keep up with the latest and greatest. And so now yeah. they're a dinosaur. Yeah. And that's so sad because they were so successful. But where they stop, when they stop being a lifelong learner and being competitive, now not only don't they have the skills, but they're also older and they face the age. It's just a whole myriad of things that kind of come into play. But I'll give you one website that your listeners may want to, to check in on. It's a .org address. And it's called O-Net Online. So the letter O, then the word net for network, N-E-T, and then the word online, O-N-L-I-N-E. So it's O-N-E-T, O-N-L-I-N-E dot org, O-Net Online dot org. And by going there, it's free, but by going there, I think it's a Department of Labor produced website. But you can go on there and search for different types of jobs to understand a day in the life, the educational requirements, the future growth of that type of work. It's the same kind of thing that that company taught me back in the 90s, except now it's at the it's it's on your monitor in front of you. And okay. if, if you see things that pique your interest, 
well, guess what? I'd probably go on LinkedIn or I'd, I'd talk to friends and say, who do you know that does that kind of work? I'd like to have a real real time conversation with somebody. But ba- sure. based on what I've seen, hey, I might want to be a dental hygienist. Wouldn't that be great? I can read about it. And now maybe, you know what? Next time I'm at the dentist, maybe I set up a time to talk to somebody who does that job on a day-to-day basis to really get a sense for what they go through. Um, and, and it goes back to that look before you leap. And I've got a funny story if we have time. Maybe oh, yeah, funny. absolutely. <clears throat> maybe not funny, certainly for this individual, but it is a true story. This was back years ago, self-employed. So we're talking back probably in 2004 five, somewhere in that range. So it's been a while ago. This individual was from the Pennsylvania area, I think around Pittsburgh, a lot of steel mills as you might imagine. And that had become a generational type of employment. His dad and his grandfather and probably other relatives had worked in the steel mills and made good money. I mean, it's it's hard work, but they made good money. And he did the same thing. We'll call, we'll call him Bill. I don't remember his name. We'll call him Bill. And, And so Bill had worked in there for a while, the steel mill. And wanted to better himself in his mind and, and get okay. an education because education was not something their family had pursued much. He wanted to be the first in his family to get a, a degree and become a quote unquote professional. Okay. Good aspirations. All right. Yeah, I get it. Totally. I mean, would you want to work in a, in a hot steel mill your entire working life if you had options? And he saw himself with education as his ticket out, just like in the inner city for many folks, sports is a way to get a college education or to earn a living if you're that talented. And so he went to school and he, he, he thought, you know what, I'd like to be a school teacher. Here's why. And, and I say this tongue in cheek, this is what he told me. I, I'm not saying this is true, Sure. especially for all the school teachers that might be listening. He said, hey, look, these guys only, they only work nine months out of the year. <sighs> Come on. You get summers off. I mean, it, that's perfect. They, they only work till like two, three in the afternoon. They're only working five days a week. Here I'm working six, sometimes seven. I'm working 60, 70 hours a week, overtime, this and that. These teachers, they've got it made. I mean, how hard can that be? They're not getting sweaty. They're not working in a steel mill. They, they only work <laughs> short schedules. And it's, it's a cake job. It's going to be easy. And so he went to school. This guy, Bill, he got a, a degree in, uh, I don't know what it was. It was an undergrad in teaching or English or whatever, and went on to get his master's degree. So oh, this, wow. This dude is loaded up with education, and now it's okay. time to get a job. And he was naturally was able to, to land a teaching job. Again, this is back 15-ish years or so ago. So he was able to land what he wanted, and then it hit him. He hated it. He, oh, no. He hated it, and he found he, he, he was taking work home. He's having to work weekends. <laughs> He had to work in the summertime. It was not what he thought. And then as he was sharing all this, and I said, so did you talk to any teachers, uh, you know, before you went to all this school and everything? He goes, nah, nah. He said, I mean, what are they going to tell me? So this guy, this guy invested (laughs) uh, probably a good six years of his life, if not more, getting education, landing a job in teaching and never once had taken the time to really investigate what teachers go through. Oh. And, and, and so now he sits in my office and he said, Randy, he said, I, I tried to go back to the steel mills and they look at me like I'm whatever. He said, they say, hey, man, you've got a master's degree. We're not going to hire you to work in a steel mill. And, wow. so, and so he was stuck. And I forget where he ended up getting a job. And, but the, the point was, look before you leap. I felt bad for this guy in a way because he, he, his intentions were good, 
but it's almost like making this up now, but it's like saying, I'm going to go on a trip and I'm going to pack everything, but yet I'm going to take off having forgotten to fill the gas tank. (laughs) And I get stuck (laughs) out in the middle of nowhere. Now I've got a car full of stuff and no gas and, oh, I left my cell phone at home. So, um, you know, now you're kind of stuck and wondering, where do I go from here? And, you know, it's, it's just, it's one of those things that I think you just need to take it a step at a time. Like I mentioned about this incremental step, And not only can you do a better job of knowing what's ahead of you, you can make better choices because you have more information, but also along the way, you're developing relationships with people in the industry. Crucial. You bet. And so now when you're sitting in front of somebody as the candidate and they say, so why are you interested in this? What makes you feel like this would be a good fit for you when clearly you've not done it before? Part of what you can say is I've spoken to so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. I've done my research. I feel very confident this will be a good fit. And here's why. And again, because you've had those conversations with people and you understand what you're getting into versus, well, I think I can do this because I like to teach. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so that's a long story, I guess. But it's one of those ones that has really stuck with me over the years. I've shared it many, many times in the hopes that people will look before they leap. Um, And while it would be ideal, it doesn't always happen. Absolutely. Okay, so let's say that people want to use come to Goodwill Industries and the Professional Center for some help. How does that process work if they walk in and need help? Is it a one-on-one engagement situation or is it a team effort where different people come in and offer different solutions? Well, first off, everything is free. So there, there's no cost. And I have clients across the country. So they don't have to be here in the local Winston-Salem, North Carolina area. They don't have to be where you're physically located. They Trust me, I have them all over. Yes, we do work individually with clients to assist with their resume, to try to answer any questions they have about job hunting, that sort of thing. Uh, Certainly, if they're local here, I have a lot of local contacts, and I share those to try to help the networking piece, uh, as well as maybe share some of my recruiting contacts, that kind of thing. I'm also pretty involved with a local professional society here in human resources, and that sort of helps with visibility as well. We also do a lot of virtual or online presentations. Uh, do a couple of LinkedIn workshops each week uh, on a Tuesday and a Thursday. Okay. And also co-host a live weekly talk show on Wednesdays at noon with my friend Teddy Burris. We started okay. this thing back in the spring of 2000. It's continued on. We bring oh, wow. in guests. Yeah, and it, it's, it's a conversation. It's not a slideshow presentation, boring kind of thing. And trust me, Teddy and I are not boring. <laughs> but we'll bring in people that'll help with not just the job search component, but also professional development. You mentioned earlier about assessments and so forth. And we've had people in to talk about everything from DISC to Strength Finders to two or three other ones that are out there. And we'll probably have more as well. All of these are recorded. They're all on YouTube. And if somebody's interested, I can get the link to them. I'd encourage people to reach out to me on LinkedIn. And if they have questions, concerns, I'm happy to help them. All we ask is that when they do land a job, they let us know. Uh, I'll tell you what, we also have done, well, we provide job leads, but we also, back when we were meeting in person, and, and who knows how things change over time, I think we'll stay virtual for the most part. We do mock interview events. We also do panel discussions uh, here again, designed to help give people an edge over their competition, whether it's better interview skills or 
just really picking the brain of people who are on the other side of the interview desk to understand what goes into a good interview, what goes into good networking or a, a solid resume. It's one thing to hear it from me. It's another thing to hear it from somebody who actually does that work on a daily basis. So we do all of those things. There's no limit on how often we can interact. And I tell people, look, two things. One is we're free, so you get what you pay for. <laughs> but the other one is the other one is look at us as a resource for as long as it adds value. And when it when it stops adding value, then you know you'll know it, we'll know it, and just keep us in the loop until or such times that you land a job. But yeah, there there's no limit on how often we can interact and always happy to help. Honestly, just doesn't matter where you live. That's fantastic, Randy. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for being here. Real quick, you mentioned the interview series that you do every week. Do you want to give people the name of that so they know what to look for when they're searching it out? Well, yeah. And actually, it's called Lunch with Randy and Teddy. At present, we don't have a website for that. But again, go find me on LinkedIn, Randy Wooden with a D, W-O-O-D-E-N. Find me there. You can read about it. I post every week about the show coming up, how you register. It's all free. But just know that we're out there. We provide resources. Also, I work for Goodwill here in Northwest North Carolina. Let me give real quickly the website. It's a .org, and it, it's easy. You don't have to write it down. Just think of it, goodwillprofessionalcenter.org. All one word, goodwillprofessionalcenter.org. And from there, we have, oh gosh, probably well over 100, 120 videos that I did a few years back. They're all free. Wow. They're free. You don't need a password. They're age and topic specific. So it'll help you with everything from tell me about yourself to what to do at the end of the interview to handle your strengths and weakness question. You name it. It's all free. It's out there. No password needed. But again, we also offer the individual help. So yeah, if somebody's looking or they know somebody that might be looking at some point, have them reach out. Happy to help them. Wow, that is a ton of information out there. Thank you so much for providing that. And Randy, thank you again for being here today. It's been an awesome conversation, and I appreciate you um, being willing to be here. Thank you, Stephen. Have a great day. All right. Thanks, Randy. Be sure to subscribe to stay up to date with this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about what I do, shoot me an email at stephen at stephengeorgevo.com. Thanks for listening.